first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. It is episode number 130, a nice, another, a nice round number for us. My name is Alex Reamer, and of course, you can listen to the show wherever you can find your favorite out sports podcasts. We're available on Spotify, Apple, Google. You know the drill. Uh, I had a wonderful long weekend in Provincetown last week. Thank you all for asking. Carnival, my favorite theme week, probably, right up there at the 4th of July, but I may like it just... A little bit better, and I loved the conversation that I had last week about the Bachelorettes who are taking over P-Town and other gay spaces. I want to thank Dr. Lori Essig from Middlebury College for taking the time and joining the show for a fantastic conversation. Uh, As I believe I said with her, I could talk about this stuff all day long, and I'm happy to report that uh, my trip in Provincetown was largely free of the Bachelorettes, except one night at A House, which is one of the big clubs they have there. They were all there in their frumpy outfits, waving Bud Lights in the air. They looked very out of place uh, with all these handsome men with their shirts off on God knows what. But yeah, that's, a, that's neither here nor there. But yes, a, uh, a good trip in Provincetown, a good discussion last week. And as I said, mostly saved from the Bachelorettes. So I feel mostly lucky. Uh, There are a number of things going on in the world of gay sports, LGBTQ sports, including the Manti Teo documentary on Netflix, Untold, that tells the untold story of him and his imaginary girlfriend, uh, Lene Kakua. This was the biggest story, not just in sports, but in the country for a while in early 2013, and it's an incredible two-hour look back at that whole saga, and there's a lot of LGBTQ angles in it as well including a lot of the accusations that Manti Teo made up his girlfriend because he was trying to hide his sexuality. Of course, neither uh, was true. But um, I have a lot of thoughts on that. But we'll wait until next week for me to further opine because I have a great guest on the show and I don't want to waste a lot of time before getting to him. Uh, I've been lucky enough to speak with a lot of really inspirational people on the show and during my time at Outsports as deputy managing editor. It's one of the coolest parts of this job, and we can add this man to the list. John Edward Heath is a U.S. veteran. He served in the Marines from 2009 through 2018. Uh, He's a great athlete, and he's undergone a lot of tragedy and experienced a lot of tragedy in his life. He's lost his best friend and partner to suicide. He was hit by a drunken driver in 2016. He had 12 surgeries. He has 12 surgeries on his left leg before it was amputated. And now as an amputee, John Edward Heath is training for the Paralympics. That's right. He's training for Paris 2024 
to take part in the track and field competitions there. Talk about an incredible man and an incredible story. John Edward Heath is coming up on the other side. It's a Sports Kiki podcast. Oh, and of course, if you have any show ideas, guest ideas, you can drop me a line on Twitter. At AlexRemer1 is my Twitter name. That again is at AlexRemer1. But without any further ado, here is John Edward Heath. And welcome back to the show. As I was saying in the opening, I've had the pleasure of speaking with uh, several really strong and motivational people during uh, my two and a half years of hosting this humble podcast. But uh, the guy on the phone right now, I think, may take the cake. John Edward Heath is a uh, is a veteran. He served in the Marines. He's training for two Paralympic events, an adaptive CrossFit event. Uh, and so many things in between, and I won't waste much more time because I want to get into his story. But firstly, John, how are you? Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, brother. Appreciate it for having me on. I'm doing well. You know, it's Friday. Uh, last training session of the day is over, so now I just got to unwind and get ready for the weekend. Yeah, me and you both. So, <laughs> uh, so you served in the Marines from 2009 until 2018. Um, all over the Middle East, and now today you are involved in an organization called MVP, Merging Veterans and Players. Before we go further, just tell me a little bit about MVP, what you do there, what they do, and what it means to you. Uh, so, backstory, uh, I was involved with MVP when I was in Texas. I'm actually currently now working with Sierra Delta, but MVP, Jake Glazer, what he found out was that there is a connection between uh, NFL players who take off the uniform and veterans who take off the uniform. So I actually unintentionally fell into the program due to training in Texas and the founder of uh, the Adaptive Training Foundation in Dallas pretty much invited me. And when I found out it was, it's a huge support group of former NFL players like Robbie Bryant and Nate Boyer, who are very good friends of mine. Yeah. Um, and through the program, I just realized, uh, because if you really read, you know, into my, story and podcasts and interviews and stuff. I didn't really have a, a phenomenal 10 years of service and I really didn't do veteran events. Um, I didn't really want to be involved in veteran organizations. So when I found MVP, it was just different. And it was just more of like, you know, you, you got to work out in and then at the end there's a, uh, like a circle, you know, with, with the crew and everybody, if they have something on their mind, they spill it out. But I think what was unique about it was the fact that instead of just, complaining about the issues you've got going on, you know, they, we all find a solution and then you move forward with the week. Why did you uh, not have, you said the best, uh, maybe not best experience in wrong words, but yeah, why, uh, why'd you feel that way serving? Uh, so man, uh, I didn't have the opportunity to come out of the closet and okay. I was outed in 2013. Um, and the way that it happened was I have a, you know, traumatic backstory of my childhood and there's a lot of sexual trauma and bouncing around from home to home. So I, you know, I left at 17 and I was trying to figure out whether I was really, you know, if I was bi, if I was gay or what was going on, if I needed to see a therapist or whatever the case might be. Well, what happened was I ended up messing around with a Marine and another Marine who didn't like me outed me on fate on MySpace back in the day. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> throwback aging myself. I'm, I know I'm aging myself. Um, but what happened was I was changing units, man. And in 2013, I had left a base in Camp Pendleton, Oceanside, California, and I was headed up to the desert three hour, three and a half hours away. So I felt as it was like a new start, right? Well, unfortunately, when I checked in, everyone saw this post. It was like this 
um, it was a picture of me and it was pretty much this Marine that didn't like me. And it was probably like, dude, it was like a hundred thousand veterans and active duty on this like group on MySpace, And the caption pretty much said, you know, like, don't trust this faggot. You know, he takes advantage of Marines, gets them drunk and X, Y, and Z. So here's the first impression of this new unit that I'm checking into middle of nowhere by myself. And I probably, I didn't get to, I didn't get to prove myself, man. <laughs> So I've never, I never really got to prove myself in service because everybody had this assumption of, you know, oh, you know, that's the gay Marine. But it, it, it went even further, man, where I, when I was in the process of stepping away from service, and it wasn't because of my injuries or anything like that. I, I honestly stepped away from my mental health. And as I'm going through the healing process and, you know, trying to figure out what's next, I started hearing that higher-ups would warn you know new marines uh that were checking in and they would be like hey watch out for that staff sergeant you know he he's gay and he's gonna try to do x y and z with you so no matter what i did it was never you know i dude i got promoted to the rank of e6 you know at the age of 26 which is unheard of you know i i, I was the fastest i was strong i was a hard worker and eventually i just i was fed up and here's the thing is i felt relatability with female Marines, which is something I had never felt because there's a lot of rumors and mistreatment of to female Marines. And I connected to a captain. Um, she's like my older sister now, man. And her name's Karen holiday. And when she told me her story of how her last 10 years have gone, I just felt that I needed to tell her my story, you know? So that was, that was part of like the buildup of anger towards service. Wow. I mean, there's so many ways I guess I could go with that. So, but you're saying, so with picture your, so even after the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, you're describing an environment of rampant homophobia in the Marines. Yes, yes. But I, here's the thing, man. Uh, and anyone, you know, if there's veterans listening to this, they understand, like, we have this joke about the Navy, right? And we're always like, oh, right. the Navy's gay, you know? And here's the thing, man. I, I met a lot of corpsmen that were gay, but nobody really messed with them because they were just like, oh, that dog, you know? So I think that the big thing for me was because I was not flamboyant and because I was this big, dude, I was 265 in the, like, I was 12% body fat. Like, I was this massive, massive Marine, you know? So, and, and the uniqueness is I never heard any rumors or shit talking to my face it was always behind my back or it was always to other marines right so that's how i was able to just block everything out and push forward um but what really took the the topping of of the situation man is i had a best friend man and dude i did everything with this guy like we were black sheeps together and then, unfortunately, the unit was spreading rumors, man. They were like, yeah, this dude and this dude are sleeping together. I'm like, yo, what? Like, this is my boy. Well, unfortunately, in 2018, he would commit suicide. Um, and it shattered my life, man. We, have, we had matching tattoos. and But I think the one thing that really put the cherry on top of my, you know, then hatred of the service was I had spoken to somebody who still spoke to the individuals that were serving with this individual. And... He was like, hey, John, I need to tell you something. What's up, man? And he's like, listen, I need to tell you what people are saying about, you know, so-and-so. And I'm like, what's up? And he's like, oh, they're saying that he killed himself because he was gay and he didn't know how to handle it. And, dude, I went ballistic because my friend had seen what I went through in service. That's how we became friends, right? Like, 
And now you mean to tell me that you have other individuals that are in service that did not know this individual and you're speaking ill will of him and he's no longer here to defend himself. So it just kept adding up, man. And it just kept, it just really built this thing where to the point where I'm going to listen, I coached that Navy in Annapolis, Maryland, and I was coach John. Like they don't ask me about at that time. I was like, don't ask me about my time in service. Don't ask me about, you know, well rank, you know what I did. And I, and I just never really spoke about it because it was just something that to me, it was something that I did, but I had left it in the past, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, and and that is really amazing. You say, you know, you left the service with this bad taste in your mouth. I mean, I can't imagine that, you know, you give up, I mean, almost a decade of your life serving your country and to walk away with that kind of feeling. I just must have been a lot of anger, a lot of anger, a lot of anxiety and depression, man. And I didn't know. And that was the thing is that so now what I do, right, like I speak on mental health. Um, you know, and I'm not trying to make this dark, but in 2020, I lost my significant other to suicide, right? Who was another Marine. Right. So these last couple of years have been very, very traumatic, but I have found, uh, it, it gave me the strength to just stop caring, man. Um, I, I it, there's just so much that I was, listen, people would tag me on stuff and my, dude, my stomach would drop. Cause I would be like, what are, what are people saying about me? Like what rumors are being said about me? You know, I was alone in service. I remember, you know, crying to sleep and was afraid to like show my face. And there was just this alter ego, man. Like I was, I was such a facade dude in service. I was always angry and like punching people in the face, you know, like you were like, I did not allow people to disrespect me, but that wasn't really me. You know, like people that know me now, man, like I'm as hippie as they come. Energy's a thing for me, you know, like. I am a big loving person, but don't take my kindness for weakness because I've been fighting my whole life. You know what I'm saying? So it just opened up the, the conversation with female Marines, right? To like, hey, you have a brother. I understand you're treated like this and people are saying this about you. But listen, man, four of my closest friends from service are all high ranking Marines that are females, you know, and when they're going through stuff, I'm the first person they call. Or if I see somebody disrespecting them on social media, I'm the first one to jump in. Like we're not, we're not taking the disrespect in 2022. And I think that that's what built up to be able to have this conversation with people. Um, that I just feel like God put me through all that stuff to make me the man that I am today. If you want me to be honest with you. Yeah, and I'm reading. Uh, I was reading before we hopped on here an interview that you gave, and you said you think the veteran community has a flaw of falling into the victim mentality. I mean, I look at you, you mentioned the suicide of your partner who was in the Marines, uh, the mm -hmm. suicide of one of your best friends as well, where you were in service. Um, I guess, how did you avoid falling into that trap of always looking back? So I think, honestly, man, one day I just woke up and I was like, because here's the thing, I fell into a dark, dark hole of alcoholism and I was doing recreational drugs, um, if I'm being honest, right? But I think one day I just honestly woke up because I just, I, I was so violent when I was blacking out and drinking, you know? And I honestly don't know what turn of events happened where it was like, you know, I need to change my life around. And I, I started getting back into fitness and I just started seeing people you know, do successful things. One of my best friends, man, I was living with him in Annapolis, Maryland. He's an Olympian and he's also a wide receiver for the Eagles. Um, and just surrounding myself around him, you know, I have a decathlete buddy of mine who was also coaching at Navy. 
And they were just on a whole different vibe where it was like, you know, we're here to train and we're not really messing around with drinking and partying. So they started the process. And then I found, so I'm, I'm a foster kid, man. I, you know, I know who my biological parents are. I went through a lot of trauma as a kid in and out of their house. Um, and then I have a whole nother story on the like individual who I, you know, was legally their kid. And then they introduced me as their friend. But the one thing that I will never take away from the Marine Corps is the fact that I found my family, right? Like my dad is, was my boss in service. And what started that relationship was when I got injured in 2016, like nobody was in the hospital with me, you know, and him and his family. And, you know, my brothers were there, they, they were young men. And, and at that point I was just a Marine that worked for this guy. Right. Um, but my family plays a major role, man. And the deeper I got involved with my family here in Cincinnati, they're, you know, they live in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, dude, my, my dad's brother's adopted, you know, my dad's white, a white dude from Ohio, man. <laughs> And his brother is not. His brother's black, and my family does not see him otherwise. You know, my dad's uh, brother, my uncle, he's gay, and, you know, my family just didn't bat an eye, man. So it was these individuals really gave me the strength to, like, listen, man, if, if people don't like you, at the end of the day, like, these individuals care for you. And that's been my grounding point. And don't get me wrong, man, you know, taking photo shoots for all these organizations and companies and stuff like that is super cool. But the coolest thing for me is when I get these emails, you know, or messages on DMs from kids or adults, whether it's in the community or whether it's amputees or disabled. So the mission is just bigger, man. And and that's what's kept me pushing and just turned me into a whole complete different person post everything that's gone on. We talk all the time about how gay people find their chosen family, and it seems like, I mean, you are the perfect example of that, you know? 100%. Yeah. 100%. I, definitely, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, so I will get to your training and, and, and all that in a minute, but first I do want to ask about your amputation. You got your, which leg was amputated, your left or your right? Left leg, below okay. the knee. So tell, tell, us, tell the listeners about that story. So January 1st, 2016, I got hit by a drunk driver. Um, I, I really don't remember anything. You know, it was New Year's. I woke up in the hospital. Left side of my body was shattered. And then I was healthy. Like I said, I, I, in service, I did a lot of uh, powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting. So mm -hmm. my idea was to just get back. You know, I wanted to get back into the gym. And, you know, I, I built this image of this dude with like a surgical halo and I would be pushed around in a wheelchair <laughs> at the gym by my buddies, you know. And then, unfortunately, it's just the surgeries were not working uh, shin and below. So I went from one surgery to two to three. That turned into 10, man, that turned into 12. Wow. And the 11th and 12th one left me by definition disabled. And luckily for me, uh, ESPN reporter Kenny Main paid, he's got a nonprofit called Run Freely, and he paid for a prosthetic that was specifically designed for the issue that I had prior to amputation. Um, and that's when COVID happened. So I started training, man, and I was hanging around, you know, Olympian Devin Allen and, and Joe Delgado and Morgan Mitchell, Olympian Morgan Mitchell, right? Like, I was hanging out with these individuals that were so focused on the Olympics and, and everything was shut down, so we spent a lot of time on the track. So my idea was like, listen, I'm going to compete with this device. This is a whole new, different area that I'm tapping into as an adaptive athlete. Well, post-COVID, 
uh, I went back into the hospital and I'm like, hey, uh, I know COVID happened, but uh, y'all left me hanging and we need to figure out like what what's happening next, right? And their idea of another surgery was to take two chunks of my hip and use that bone to repair what wasn't being repaired chin and below, right? So I I didn't want that, man. I had already dealt with surgeries 11 and 12 that, you know, I had a surgical halo that literally caused an, it, it caused an infection that, that put me in the hospital and it was bad. Like I didn't know I had an infection and I just could just think about all the pain that I went through. And I was like, listen, I'm not, I'm not doing this again. And, and they, the VA did not want to amputate. Um, and luckily for me, man, I spoke to my pastor, my parents, um, and I spoke to quarterback. He's a retired quarterback, Alex Smith. He played. Yeah, of course. It was called the Redskins, right? So and he had a, and he, and he had a brutal injury himself. Exactly. So at the same time as Alex is recovering through this, and Hanger Clinic is helping him with the prosthetic that he used while he played in season, I was going through my stuff, and I was going through Hanger Clinic, and I had to fly to Gig Harbor, Washington State, to get my prosthetic. So it was crazy, and then we got connected through Run Free or um, Attitude is Free, which is a, a company in Arizona, man, and. Everybody was telling me, like, listen, my mom told me, man, my mom was like, listen, what I need you to do is I need you to go in there and advocate for yourself, you know, and I'm an emotional person, man. Like, if I'm passionate about something, I'm getting loud, you know, and I'm, I'm six to, you know, 225 pounds, right? So big old uh, Hawaiian looking dude, you know, gets very passionate. So I went in there, man, I laid out my, my points and I actually started crying because it was like, listen, like, you're a doctor, you get paid regardless. Like, I haven't been able to get a, a long term job, you know, I'm, here I am coaching at the Naval Academy and I could barely stand up on the sidelines. So finally she agreed 30 days uh, or literally like an hour after we had this conversation, she called me back and told me that they approved it. And then the vascular surgeon called me and they were like, Hey, 30 days from now, you know, here's your appointment. And it was crunch time, man. I didn't go in there scared. Like, yeah, I was a little, I was scared of the unknown, but I wasn't scared about being an amputee. I was ready to get this over with. I was tired of being in pain. So I was prepping for amputee life and post-recovery surgery. So luckily, I just told you my best friend who committed suicide in 2018, right? His mom, I still have a relationship with her. His mom flew in to take care of me during amputation and then, Devin Allen, as he was prepping for the Olympics, you know, before he left for the Olympic trials, dude, Devin was cooking me my food, was making sure I was good, was walking the dogs, like, you know, and it was like, and then after that, it was like, all right, we're good. It's happened. Let's recover. Let's get back in the gym and let's move forward. Well, here's what happened. Six days post amputation, I did a one-legged power clean that went viral on social media. And I did it just messing around. I was like, man, let me see if I can do this. Well, it went viral. And I got a lot of positive messages, man. And that's what opened up this whole journey of advocating for the disabled community, pursuing a Paralympic, you know, gold medal, you know, adaptive CrossFit. And just, I'm literally, this is the second opportunity that I've been given. And I don't say no to anything. I've been skydiving. I've been, you know, snowboarding. I've been surfing. I've been uh, sled hawking. So anything that I can do, I'm going to do it. I mean, you put everything, you're listening to your story, puts everything in perspective. I mean, even to, even to survive one of the things that you've survived, you know, a suicide of a partner, a best friend, car, you know, getting hit by a drunk driver, amputation. I mean, you know, I'm in a sad mood today because like 
one of my friends and I are in a little bit of a fight. I mean, so it, well, you gotta I mean, go hug your friend, man, because you don't know if either of y'all are gonna be here tomorrow, man. And I that's, know and I, that's the way that I live, man, and that's what I'm trying to change. I'm trying to change the stigmas on a lot of things. Um, you know, coming up in the LGBT community, you know, when I was younger, I this this bothered me a lot, but. I was, I'm always told like, oh man, you're too straight to be gay, you know? And I never really knew what that meant. Um, and I remember getting like lip from some people when I went to a gay bar in like a football jersey, you know? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm still a dude, bro. Like, I don't, I'm not bashing you for your way of living. Like, let me be, you know? So it's just, I think we're living in a time, man, where we're too worried about what other people are doing. Let people live their lives. You know, as long as you're not hurting or disrespecting somebody, do what you please, man. And, and and the same thing goes with, like, stop holding grudges and allowing unnecessary things to take your energy. Because here's the thing. We say that, but even me, like, I have times where I'm like, man, I'm mad about this and I have to really reflect on it, you know? So it's, it's, it's just a bigger uh, – there's a lot of stigmas I'm trying to end. Yeah, I mean, amen to that. I'm a, I'm a huge yogi, and one of the phrases we have in yoga is there's strength in surrendering. You know, like when it's a really hard pose, there's strength in just surrendering to the pose and recognizing that's just a sensation and it will pass. And I think that really can apply to a lot of things in life, big and small. So, yeah, I'm all on board with that. Let's talk about your current journey. So you're a busy, busy guy. You're training for the Paralympics, track and field in 24, uh, also adaptive CrossFit, and now Paralympic snowboarding in 26. Tell me a little bit about all of that. Um, so I was living in Annapolis, Maryland. That is my home. I'm originally from Maryland. I'm not from Annapolis, Maryland. I, I'm from a different area of there. Um, but I ended up there, you know, post-service. And I found – so I've been looking for coaches. And here's the thing is this 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 community and this industry is a, is very, 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 very tough. Um, there's not a lot of funding, you know, Olympians right. get funding, NFL players get funding. We do not get funding right. at all. There's a couple grants here and there. Um, luckily I get, uh, you know, disability compensation from the VA from my service. Uh, but man, I'm telling you right now, like it's, it's been a journey to where I found coaches that have believed so much in what I'm doing that they're not charging me to coach me right now. They believe that I'm going to achieve what I, what I'm going to achieve. And they're, they believe in that, you know? So I train at black sheep and, and blue ash and those coaches, man, they're phenomenal. They're not only are they coaches, but they're my friends. They're people that I lean on. And I think the other uniqueness is a lot of the Bengals train there. So I became friends and I got to train, you know, and, and watch these guys. They got to watch me, you know, I've been to places in Florida. I train all over the country. So I've been to so many gyms that I've just, I've literally opened up the conversation of being an amputee. A lot of people did not, first of all, it's crazy. I'm the first amputee a lot of pro athletes have ever seen, um, let alone lifting the amount of weight that I do. Uh, they don't know the struggle of what it is to be an amputee and wear a prosthetic. Like when I take off my running blade and take off my stump sleeve and they see like a, a large scale of like skin and blisters and they're like, yo, what? You know, and I'm like, what? And they're like, how are you training on that? You know, so it's just opened up a whole different conversation. But listen, my full-time job is training. I literally wake up. I hit my first session, get some lunch in me, hit my second session, you know, block out some time for some calls and, and some stuff. I'm also a full-time student for a graduate's program. So yes. I try to balance that out. 
Um, and then the other thing is I do a lot of motivational speaking and advocating and a lot. So I get flown by a lot of uh, companies and organizations that just want me to come talk to kids or, you know, collegiate athletes or through MVP. I was blessed to tell my story in front of uh, Mike McCarthy and you know, I call him Uncle Dan Quentin, uh, you know, so. It's been a journey, and I just I believe so much in, in what I'm doing that I'm investing in, in, in this that I believe I can make 2024 and 2026 and make it to the CrossFit Games, man. So if it's wasting energy and it's not being conducive or productive to my you know, pro athletic career, then you can go somewhere with that because I don't, I don't have the time for it. Well, I look forward to seeing you in, uh, right there, Paris 24, a couple summers yes, from sir. now. Uh, John Edward Heath, how can the people uh, follow you if they want to do that? Uh, so my my professional name, I guess, my brand is uh, Carbon Fiber John. Uh, so they can follow me on Instagram. Twitter, I haven't learned Twitter. I'm still <laughs> learning the social media stuff. Uh, but all my stuff, all my links is Carbon Fiber John. I've got a huge project coming up with branding and marketing and you know, I just got signed by a couple um, companies, so I'm going to be their sponsored athlete. And then uh, if we've got any veterans that are looking for an organization, Sierra Delta, um, I'm one of their sponsored athletes. And like I said, I didn't do veteran organizations, but this organization really cares and gives you another sense of purpose. John Edward Heath, pleasure to have you on and a pleasure for all of you to listen to this week's show. Thank you for tuning in. As always, the Sports Kiki Podcast will be back next Saturday. Uh, John, as I said, pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me, brother.